0: June the 18th be with you. We are oh, in a post-E3 world in that all of your wildest dreams are coming true. We are in the year... Haven't
1: we been in a post-E3 world for like 20 years? We
0: are in the year 2077, and it is... I just
1: saying this isn't the first E3, so... It, well, it really... is,
0: but uh, good lo- good try. And uh, it is the year 2077... Um, A lot of people say, you don't want to live in this town, says it's the highest crime rate. Wow, that's crazy. But guess what? A lot of other people trying to make it. Uh, People without faces, people with robot arms, guns, people with guns. Some people got swords. It's the year 2077, and that's my intro.
1: wasn't very good. I know. Uh, which kind of makes it like an EA press conference? Oh, hey, oh. topical humor.
0: I mean, it makes it like most of E3 this year.
1: I liked some E3. You didn't like any of what you saw at E3? I don't
0: know. Give me some. Give me some. Uh, you know, reco- recommendands.
1: You didn't like the Microsoft press conference? Um. Hmm. Fifty games. Fifty games. I don't really New watch from software I mean, game? I w- oh, you didn't watch it. Oh, but tell me about E three. Uh,
0: oh, you didn't watch. I just it. I I picked up the scraps. I didn't watch it directly because I was working, but I picked up the scraps. I looked at it stuff afterwards.
1: I think Microsoft had a really good press conference. Listen,
0: not all of us can watch stuff on Friday. Some of us are working. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the days that E three go on. Let me
1: tell on. you that it was an R 3 I I, I I mean I here notes about it but but i know that microsoft showed off like ori uh a new ori game and that made me think like you know i should really play that first ori game
0: yeah um i I feel like the my my issue would be that sony's press conference was weird i kind of caught a little bit of it um i don't think that they did a bad job they instead chose to focus on uh four games and it was more of an experience and it was very interesting. Um I don't dislike the idea that they kind of went with I think it was more of games as art and more of an exhibit. Uh like the first thing was, you know, this new Last of Us and they were in the room the the press was in the room that this trailer was the basically trailer happening. Right? Like, yeah, like they're in the yeah. room that this dance is happening in the Last of Us and I thought it was kind of interesting the way that they moved them to you know four different rooms, four different kind of like exhibit event slash trailer things. Like I think that's interesting. I think that's cool. I I, I hate to complain about something because I something like that because I think it's really awesome. But I also kind of think that in the same breath that uh, they're usually the ones that surprise me uh, year in and year out. And then the other thing that kind of bums me out is that. Nintendo. I was waiting for like a big, uh, a big, Animal Crossing, crazy, right? bonkers Switch E3. Just like, yeah. let's go, let's go, let's announce twenty Switch games and well, some.
1: Let's go. They gave you let's go Pikachu and let's go Eevee.
0: All right. Well, I, I mean, it was mostly about this Smash Brothers port.
1: It's not a port. It is it's a port. It's crazy that you could call it a port. It's absolutely not a port. You can say what you want about the game and not like Smash, but it's clearly not a port.
0: It is mostly a port, but some they they did change some things about it. But it is a port. Over
1: ten thousand changes. But that I sounds
0: that sounds point. like something a press that they would say in a press release. Are you Sakurai? I can't say. You can't say. Well, I think we all know the answer to that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I can
0: I, play Smash again. I, I I wouldn't like. Am I gonna buy it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna buy it. It's gonna be cool. It's gonna be like fun. Um, the idea of like having it on the on the greatest uh, system outside of PC of all time. It's pretty nice. Anything is pretty nice. I, I turn I end up buying things on Switch just because of the fact that they are in fact on Switch, and this game will probably be no different. And like having a big fun roster. Like I feel like it's the game, uh, the kind of game that I can have a lot of fun with. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, it's cool to see every character ever in it. It's cool to see characters that have were passed over by the last smash, like, uh, like Snake. Ice Climbers. Like Ice Climbers, like Snake um, being in it again. And also some of the characters that uh, that I never got a chance to play that came out over patches like Cloud or Bayonetta. It's kind of cool. How to, do you like, feel
1: about the end? It's out now? Is that is that like your favorite E3 thing?
0: Um what, what what was and it's out now. What like Hollow Knight?
1: Hollow Knight and uh Fortnite. I know you don't care about Fortnite, but That's well, too many nights,
0: James. Um I like I love how that works together, but uh I did and I did buy Hollow Knight.
1: And they also uh dropped a 3 hour Octopath Traveler demo. I don't know if you care about that. I know that you know bravely default isn't in your like uh blessings. Uh, but
0: that's one way of saying it sure.
1: I'm pretty excited for Octopath Traveler
0: Do you have a reason to be like have you played the, like what was what how is the demo? It's
1: pretty it's cool I haven't right. played it because mm-hmm. at One at one point. It's like yeah a three-hour demo. That sounds great But then it's like okay if I actually plan to play the game and the game is out in three weeks Am I gonna play three hours of it and, and then the progress carries over am I gonna totally forget what happened?
0: If I were to play the three-hour demo, even if I were to like it, I think you would, you would, in fact, start off on kind of a weird foot with the actual game, just because you would have had such a break from the beginning and where you're currently at that...
1: So, yeah, so I think I'm gonna play the demo, like, two nights before the game releases. Okay, that makes, that, that makes a
0: lot of sense, actually, to, like, time it correctly.
1: But I watch like trailers, the characters look cool. I mean, it's, I mean, if you're going to play a JRPG anywhere, I think like the Switch is the place to do it, right?
0: Yeah. It, it's, I mean, if you're going to play a lot of things anywhere, the Switch is the place to do it, other than fighting games, which by the way, if you wanted Deep Dragon Ball Fighters, which I was not asking for on Switch, then in fact you will get it. September 27th, I will maybe actually buy it, unfortunately. That's, yeah.
1: Why? I don't know. Is it because you just want to beat people on the Nintendo Switch? That will be fun. Um, just
0: practicing. It's not, it's gonna
1: be, yeah, but I don't think it's going to be like a very busy platform. But at the same time, maybe they'll do like some crossplay Because I, I'm sure you heard about this whole uh, Sony Fortnite thing situation, yeah. right?
0: Well, that was a while ago, right? And now it's kind of getting drudged no, up again. So,
1: so what happened was the day that Fortnite released on Switch during the E3 conferences, Sony put out this thing that was like, hey, link your... Uh, your epic account to ps4 and get a free skin but what they didn't tell people is that as soon as you link your epic account to sony it's stuck there you can't get it back on pc you can't bring it to switch you can't do anything with it so they kind of tricked people into signing up Yeah, like that is not good from any sony. way you look
0: at it right that's kind of that's it's nasty worse.
1: It's worse than no crossplay. Like, the the crossplay thing, you can almost understand.
0: Why are they so against it? A but they're, they are the ones that are against it. And then they, they do that, like, Republican-American thing where they're like, no, it's not really us that's against it. It's more, you know, Microsoft, and everyone else is having a problem with it. But then when you see anything, it's like, what? who are you trying to fool? Like, you are the people that are trying to do that. You are the people that, that dislike crossplay. I don't fully understand why they're so against it. Is it, like, a numbers thing? Like, they they feel like they have more people uh, playing on PS4 on on, like, PlayStation Online than Xbox has online, so maybe they can, like, strangle it. Like, if people feel like there are more people playing on PlayStation over Xbox, then, like, they can get it to the point where yeah. people are always going to the more popular... Thing the more popular system to get more games faster against different people and try and like strangle out Microsoft that way, like,
1: and and Phil Spencer, you know, there's a Phil Spencer interview like every year with Giant Bomb, and he pretty much said like, I just wish everyone could play together, and I don't know what the situation was at Xbox uh, when the 360 what was around, but in this generation. Where I sort of have a say in things, I just want everyone to play together.
0: Yeah, um, and I guess it's, and it, I guess it's interesting time, though. It's like,
1: of course you'd say that. Yeah, th- that's that's
0: what I'm that's what I'm saying is like it's like if because in the same in the same note like if you're the company that's behind on things and has a smaller base online. Then you don't want to be hurt by that smaller base. You want to have multi-platform and you want to have like crossplay, so that no one has a sense of like, well, I have the PS4 and I have the Xbox and I have to go with the PS4 version because that's gonna have more people playing online. Like now, you'd have if there's crossplay, then now you have an option because it's just what it's basically like whatever system you like better, whatever UI, whatever uh, service you're currently buying into, whatever controller you like more than. Uh, before, where there's kind of like a clear winner, if there's one uh, net service that has just more volume, so
1: I hear you, um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it was weird because also, you know, Phil Spencer was sort of talking about the Microsoft press conference and talking about the Sony conference, and 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 you know, they didn't really have any ideas like what the other one was doing. So it was really surprising seeing Microsoft just like slamming out games trying to do games, what they thought then, Sony was going to do. And then Sony just like drops four games.
0: That, that we and already know about.
1: Yeah, yeah, I didn't know about the sucker punch game. Uh, it's hard for me to keep them all like Is that the Spider-Man out, one? No, the Ghost of What the Samurai game oh, the okay. third ghost samurai of, game of the
0: Ghost of Sushi. The guy.
1: Yeah. The Spider-Man game looks pretty sick though.
0: Yeah. Um
1: I don't really feel a ways about Spider-Man but That looks pretty
0: good. It's kind of weird, like, uh, a lot of E3 at this point for me because I have so much that I like currently. And then I think a lot of the shocking games are still on the indie sector. And this has been a really good year. Like, I feel like last year the indie devs kind of let us down and there wasn't that much. But I feel like this year has, like, been chock full of, like, just absolutely incredible indie games to the point where i don't know like it's like the 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 games that i'm excited for the games that i don't know about so it's like i i don't if, if that makes any sense like the i have an excitement for what's around the corner rather than like what i know is around the corner
1: or what's on you you you're more surprised by what's around the corner than what's on the horizon yeah sure uh but at the same time that new from software game was surprising the uh sekiro sh- uh, shadows die twice
0: i didn't see much about that shadow die twice.
1: well it's like uh it's it's a what do you call this genre now it's a neo-like
0: oh wow that's what you're gonna say
1: yeah so from software is developing a neo-like
0: wow that's a that's a real backhand
1: that's good right
0: yeah it's very funny continue and that's it okay well right? that's fantastic i mean
1: it looks a lot faster than dark souls it looks you know on par or faster than bloodborne uh your character sort of like has a has like a grappling hook and they like grapple around and stuff like that wow it, in, in combat it looks fast all right but i don't know i don't i don't know how i feel about feudal japan as like a setting in general but
0: getting a lot of it huh like, um, we're going yeah even, yeah. even
1: in Westworld, they can't can't escape it uh but did you see that like man people people are really into For Honor these days?
0: Are they For really Honor is
1: actually like in in good graces of people they're releasing a fourth faction?
0: Well that's uh that's been Ubisoft's whole thing, right? Like Ubisoft is like Ubisoft is the is such an interesting developer this year or in the last couple of years because they're the developer that they release something and whether no matter what happens with that game in it's like, you know, first couple months of launch or first year of launch, they are they support it so well. And I, I feel like if if gamers are, you know, like always talking about uh, boycotting things that aren't being supported or like boycotting, you know, uh, Bungie for doing such a terrible job, then I feel like more people should put their money where their mouth is and buy Ubisoft products all the time because Ubisoft is so trustworthy with their current franchises.
1: And you know uh at the press conference they actually gave out the For Honor starter edition. They were like, "Oh, well everybody who's watching uh, this weekend or over the next week, you just you just sign up and you own For Honor starter edition."
0: So they're making they're, a fourth faction. What is the faction?
1: I think it's Romans.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: So you have, like, knights, samurai, Vikings, and Romans. Okay. Maybe next they should put in just, like, some military dudes, though. Gunman? With, like, some big guns. Codmans? Or, like, a space marine. A doom marine. It's, so It's weird to talk about E3, because I feel like all I've been doing is nonstop, you know, consuming E3 content. But at the same time, I feel like... I don't have anything to show for it, or talk about. That's
0: interesting. Why do you, do you do? you know why you feel like that?
1: Maybe because nothing is like immediately like exciting, right? Yeah, I. I there are just... things that there are things that I think I'll, I'll look forward to, and, and things that I want to play, like in the future when they come out. And I really like Xbox's philosophy and the way they've been talking about things, but I. I was really hoping for Nintendo to bring it, yeah. Like a new anything, like a new 2D Metroid or a new Animal Crossing. Especially feels especially absent, or or maybe just say something about like, hey, Breath of the Wild. People liked it. Just so you know, we're not gonna have this be a one Zelda console.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I feel like I said that before. Like I think that the biggest problem with like, my E3 overall was that Nintendo was the one that I was looking to bring it, and, like, they said beforehand, we're just gonna basically do Smash, and then they did. And it's like, okay, I mean, you know, you did a port, you changed a lot of things, you added, like, a couple new characters, um, like, that's that, that's cool, like, like it's not a bad thing, but, uh, it's not yeah. that exciting. And, you know, and then, you know, you when... Know, conference... You know, one thing that actually, you know what, I I will say this. One thing that super dampens me on any Smash stuff is that the awful community, and hear me out, because everyone knows the community is awful. Sure. But but hear me out on this. When I see a new Smash Brothers, and I see them, like, you know, kind of trying to appease them and doing some of these, like, higher level um, fighting game mechanics, like throw breaks, and, you know, we're going to have all these characters, which that's impossible to balance, but... um, uh, it just kind of bums me out because I look at it and it's like it doesn't matter it doesn't all of your efforts they don't matter if you like I, I, it, there's no truer words almost than like I, I, I think I read some comments somewhere like why does it matter like I it might have been Maximilian or something saying like you know the smash will come out and even if it were a direct port of melee people would play it for a week and say it's ass and then go back to like the gamecube version like there's nothing you can do to that awful franchise like did, that
1: do people not like the um sma- the newest smash game
0: I mean people do like it but it's just that like smash brothers I don't know why I have no like I I think it would be a really interesting like sociological kind of like breakdown of like when a new fighting game comes out people move forward in a lot of cases like there you know there are still some people playing street fighter third strike and you still got your korodas and stuff like that playing third strike but it kind of exists in a more of a harmony with than the way that smash brothers new titles exist with their old games like smash brothers has this like massive fissure in their own community and their own like community that makes it so that, that you have like half people playing melee and melee is so old that like the people who dominate it dominate it and you have these gods that you know it's very hard or impossible for anyone to get on their level because they're playing all the time and they've been playing all the time for so long and then you have these new games coming out and people play them a little bit and hate them or like them and neither of them like they're they're both kind of getting cannibalized by each other and i i my my I would actually really put more weight into Smash overall as a franchise if this new one comes out and they're saying, you know, we're making it a little bit faster like Melee, but we're also adding fighting game mechanics like throw breaking, and we're adding all these characters, maybe you will actually get a decent diversity among the cast with no one being like too bonkers overpowered but it doesn't matter like no one like i feel like at the end of the day like no matter what you do with smash smash brothers fans will get excited for a new one and then they'll hate it and then they'll play it for like a week and they'll be like no this isn't the real smash the real smash is melee gamecube fox no falco no items on final destination that's it like they'll never you know evolve like past that like they it's one of the it's it's just like frustrating to see like after all this time like they they can't have like a new thought they can't have like a new thing it just it's just always going to be that and anything slightly divergent on that is like just not good enough because it's not that
1: but at the same time it doesn't really affect your or my enjoyment of the game right
0: um i don't know like I guess, the, like, like the commu- community's interest in games or thoughts on games overall are part of what I like. I mean, if you have a community that's, like, massive and is enjoying something and, like, I don't know, like, uh, okay, Path of Exile, like, uh, that's that's something, like, I, like that community is currently like loving it and it makes me want to play it more. Like when in beast league, even though I were, I wasn't necessarily experiencing some of the problems that people talked about, like playing, putting hundreds and hundreds of hours into the game and not really experiencing some of the most high end content. I, I mean, other than just just being a good league and the incursion league, people are so happy. I Bex, The community manager said that people that, that she's never seen the community more happy. And that might be true. I, You know, can't I shouldn't be able to speak to that? But even then, it's like with the community just loving it and the good vibes and the positivity, and like, yes, play now because it's an awesome time to play. It makes me want to play a little bit more, you know?
1: Yeah, and we'll get to that. But don't you think that the Smash community is so big, or that maybe the Nintendo community is so big and the Switch install base is so large that enough people will buy the game and enjoy the game and stick with the game that it doesn't matter what like the melee purists might say about it i guess i mean
0: i I should probably take a step back also and realize like no matter what you do to smash i don't think i want to be the one to put in 200 hours like no matter what the unfortunate thing with smash is like it's gonna come out and realistically i could have an enjoyable time with it for a week or two and then people will start like getting too good to have fun and the game will be dead to me at that point
1: is Smash is Munchkin. It's not Blood Rage. It's a party game, right? It's not, it's not trying to be... Or Whoa. rather, some people Whoa. want it to try to be more than that, but it really doesn't have to be, right? I think nobody
0: understood the reference you just made.
1: Sure, well, uh, it's, a, uh, oh, it's a... What's another party game? It's a, it's a one-night ultimate werewolf. It's not a food chain magnate. There you go.
0: There, there you go. If it was if it wasn't understood the first time, then it's definitely understood now. Did you get? Did you do the uh, one night ultimate werewolf Kickstarter? No. Oh, I almost did. We're on video games, though. I'm sorry. It just you said that.
1: I didn't mean to.
0: Yeah, you, you're you do you're you're starting to open up a wormhole which you cannot close, James.
1: So what are what are I, I got to say though the Bethesda conference? I liked it. So
0: tell me something about this uh, this this new fallout, this MMORPG that everyone's upset fallout. about.
1: It's not a, it's not an MMORPG. So what this game actually seems like is this game is dangerously close to getting people talking the way that people talked about No Man's Sky. Do you know what I mean?
0: I know exactly Essentially, what I mean. It like like talking it's about it's, you know, yeah. things that cannot possibly happen that are not actually the, de- the devs aren't saying is happening and people are going off on like a wild goose chase of like, well, if the devs said this is possible, then this must be possible. And this must be possible. And this game is everything I've ever wanted. And it's like, listen, yeah, so nothing you're saying is confirmed.
1: I, I got to say that there are some things that I absolutely love about fallout 76. So fallout 76 is not going to be a single player game. It is going to be an always online survival game, uh, with, with like, a. I don't want to say Rust-like mechanics because I don't know enough about Rust to say that that's what it is. But, you know... So you start out and you're naked and then you get killed by another player. Okay. I I love the fact that it takes place in West Virginia because I think that, like, based on, like, a lot of folklore, West Virginia is such a weird place. And, you know, on the East Coast, you you hear stories about, like, uh, the New Jersey Devil or something like that. And then you realize, like West Virginia has like twelve types of monsters like that that people talk about in terms of folklore, and and that's really cool. Like I'm excited about that. There's um, it's apparently like four times the size of the world in Fallout Four, which for a game that doesn't have NPCs, by the way, Fallout seventy six doesn't have NPCs, uh, could or could not be very interesting. But, but I like the setup of the game. Essentially, Fallout 76 or the, the Shelter 76, the Vault 76, was a control vault. So whereas every other vault in the Fallout canon had some sort of experiment going on with it, the Vault 76 had nothing. It was just a regular, they, they actually did as advertised and just tried to protect people from the bombs. So Vault 76 was the first vault. To open after the bombs dropped, so because of that, uh, the landscape is a little bit different. Uh, for example, there are no raiders because people haven't really started to empty out of the vaults yet. You're the first people out of there, so narratively it makes sense that the entire landscape is, you know, absence of NPCs. That's
0: really interesting. And actually, the
1: only like people that you're going to run into is actually other players, and. A lot of people on the Fallout subreddit have already started talking about like the way that they want to play the game because essentially you join into the game and sort of your world and the things that you've built in the world meshes as well as it can with other people's worlds and the things that they've built. So you could be walking down a road that you've walked down before, but this time uh, another player has set up a camp there that you didn't see before because you weren't really in their world or integrated with what they've got going on. So you could be walking down a street and see like a bar that another player is like tending to or just a, just a trap, which I assume is mostly we are going to see is just people uh, griefing one another. But
0: yeah, when you talk about stuff like this, my, you know, you have that first thought of like, you know, people will do all this interesting stuff and start businesses and and and
1: storytelling. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Sure. They'll do that.
1: And, and not just one try and kill game, you constantly. It takes like one hour of a survival game to realize that's not really how people play these games. Yeah. But, but I could get down on I, that. I could I, imagine why
0: people like, as if, if I were really into fallout and I am absolutely not, I would imagine that this game would be infuriating that they're working on this. Like that's not that, that is a fallout that, that fully shirks every good quality of fallout which is like more yeah. the writing and the atmosphere and, and like it's the characters, right? I think right?
1: They, they might capture the the atmosphere or at least the world. Maybe not the characters and the writing, but maybe they could do something with um, emergent storytelling or, or something like that. Huh. And, uh, you know, stuff happening through lore. And there are going to be quests, but I think it's going to be, I, I don't want to say anything about what that is because I don't really know much about it. Bethesda also showed some other stuff they showed that they are working on their first unique IP in the last like two decades um it's going to be a called Starfield and it's considered to be the first next generation game that was which is also like hey we're I guess there's PlayStation 5 coming out someday All
0: right. but that's
1: really exciting to know that like Bethesda is making a new thing uh, they also showed some new content coming out for Prey and Doom Eternal. And Quick Champions, is Doom e- Doom uh, which is free to play. Doom Eternal is the sequel to Doom.
0: Okay, you have me on board. I was so just I recently thought... thinking about playing yeah. Doom again. I I love that game.
1: The Bethesda conference was pretty good. They they uh, also showed a new Wolfenstein game. That's Bethesda, right? Yeah. I forget. They have all the, Bethesda, the old yeah.
0: Yes, they have all they have all those games.
1: So they did, uh, the last game was Old Blood, and then the new Wolfenstein is going to be Young Blood, where you play as um, BJ Blazkowicz's two twin daughters. It's a co op game.
0: Is that serious,
1: what you just said? Yeah. Okay. So you play as his two twin daughters, and it is a co op game. Okay. And you shoot Nazis, I bet.
0: I hope so. Nazis could do with some shooting.
1: So who won E3? Uh, that's a question that comes up every year. The fans. And the answer is Noita is the best game shown at E3. Wow. So there's that. Um, and that's the deal with E3, right?
0: Yeah. What a. I mean, I I I feel bummed. I mean, I was working the whole time, but even then, I felt like uh, like it was sad. You ever feel like it's sad that you don't care about something like like it's not even. Yeah. It's not even that, like, when
1: I'm like playing a game, and it's like I get that feeling all the time of like I should like this game, but I don't.
0: It, yeah, kind of like I, I just felt that way with E3. Is like that it, it I didn't even know that it was happening until it was happening, and I didn't realize that it, it felt like it was it came pretty soon, and then uh, I wasn't really that interested, and I I was checking up, and none of the updates or none of the stuff I was seeing was really doing it for me, and the whole time i was thinking like you know i have no shortage of awesome things my you know my e3 my like like at this point it's like the things that i get excited about in the future more than e3 or like sure. kickstarting games like looking at like Whoa, this yeah you, you know dangerous. yeah i will stay away but but you know what i mean like like those are the kind of things that i'm excited about in the future rather than a lot of the stuff i've seen at e3
1: part of it is also just that i don't trust Anything I see at e3 yeah and why would but, we? but hey it's also it's also good to not trust things you see on Kickstarter
0: it is it is true I mean there there was some inter- there was an interesting thing that happened with the Kickstarter tombed uh, where there was this fallout between the publisher and the developer they had like made like so much money past being funded and had all these stretch goals and then this huge fallout happened and the the publisher kicked the developers off the project and wasn't going to pay them, and because of that, like there was a huge BGG kind of campaign to drop everyone out of it, and now it's not getting funded. It went it went from being like like funded by five hundred percent to being like not funded at all, which is interesting. I've
1: hmm. never
0: seen that. Were you playing anything this week? Not even board games yet.
1: I was playing tons of board games. I'm, not, I'm I'm not I'm I'm saying not board, board games yet. Oh, was I playing not board games? Um, only one game, only Path of Exile. Path of Exile is looking
0: great right now.
1: <clears throat> so, a couple when the league first came out, you asked me how's the league, and I said, it's the best league ever. And you said, I don't believe you. Tell me again in a month. I don't know that it's been a month, but. If you asked me how the league was, I'd say it's the best league ever.
0: I think everyone else would agree with Still, you, huh?
1: And that's where we're at, yeah. That's pretty also, wild. Is, yeah, it's it's crazy. This is also the first time that I made a, a self-made build. I put it together like myself. There are some other builds where like um, in in the past I've I've sort of had an idea for a build and then looked up what other people did and then like, you know, sort of rift off of that but this time is my first time where i just made the whole thing by myself uh and it's you could look up a guide for my build but you won't find one because no one's playing it so i feel like because of that and because it's like wholly my own i've had uh, a much stronger attachment to my character this league than i've had in the past
0: that's that's crazy that's awesome
1: congrats and I'm uh, I'm killing it, but it's it's been a little slow going, because when you don't have like a guide to tell you like these are the best items, so go for this, do this, it, it can be uh, challenging. So I'm in like mid tier maps, but I haven't I haven't completed all of my trials of ascendancy, so I haven't done the last labyrinth yet. Okay. But I, I think I'll be able to do it. I was able to kill Ziri, no problems. So. I'm confident. That's pretty cool to do
0: that with a uh, self-made build.
1: Yeah, I am playing a Val Fireball Elementalist. Oh, cool. Which you think more people would be playing, considering that there was, uh, you know, some tunings to Fireball, some tunings to Ignite, and some, you know, overall tunings to uh, Val skills. Val skills. They're
0: fantastic. I I got a Val Arc early in the league.
1: But but it's really weird to see that. people are sticking to their guns a lot, and most people are actually just rolling uh, Blade Vortex, Arch, which is my That's my thing. Trappers. Uh, I was expecting, you know, there's a lot of good builds right now, and, and it seems like so many skills got reworked and a ton of skills got added. People are going crazy over the new elemental hit, but for the most part, I haven't seen as much diversity as I'd like to see, I, and I still don't think people have it figured out yet. Because it's really not until the end of the league that people start to understand what the best builds were. That's interesting.
0: Um, I feel like so many people are having so much fun with the arc skills right now, the new reworked arc, that maybe that's actually hurting it. like In a weird way, Like uh, arc is so fun and so satisfying. Because that's the skill that I, I'm playing the... As you said, the Blade Vortex, um, it's a triple herald elementalist witch build, um, which means nothing, anything I said. But one of the skills that got reworked is this lightning thing that uh, it, it is a like a lightning bolt that chains to a bunch of enemies. And it got reworked, and it's like amazing now, and it feels so satisfying, and it's so simple. And even though I'm going a build that is supposed to be for this whole other thing, I've just been playing almost entirely with the Vol arc.
1: And have you uh, collected any of your chase items yet? Have no. you, uh, like, an impulses? So no. let me tell you a story. Um, so in the new expansion, The Incursion, there is a, you know, there's this temple that you sort of build up. Essentially, it's a dungeon that you sort of choose what rooms are in it. And the rooms that you choose, you know, they could be like, maybe you want a room that has, like, weapons or armor or maybe you want to transform a unique item, or you want the boss to drop a fire weapon, so you build up this fiery room. Uh, One of the rooms, maybe everyone's favorite room, is the corruption chamber. It
0: is everyone's favorite room.
1: And the corruption chamber uh, can really make or break an item. Essentially, there's a 25% chance that something really, really good happens, a 50% chance that something really, really bad happens, and a 25% chance that kind of nothing happens. Uh, so I unlocked that chamber and it takes some work, it takes some luck to actually get that chamber into your temple. But once it was there, you know, I had to stop playing for a couple of hours because I was nervous about it. I At the same time, I didn't want to waste the opportunity of using this room, but I was really low on currency and if something happened to one of my, you know, most important items, which were obviously the best candidates for corruption, I I wouldn't have any way to like recoup that, like to come back, because I didn't have the currency to replace it. Um, so I, I sort of took a middle ground. I had a pair of gloves that were worth about 10 chaos. So they weren't worth nothing. I couldn't replace them right away, but if I, you know, it's like an hour of grinding or, or you know, So I put in my gloves and the good thing happened and I got these really insane gloves where they just because of this corruption chamber, my damage went up by 40%. Wow. Essentially what happened is I got, um, plus two level to socketed projectile gems. Oh, wow. So my fireball is a projectile. So now I'm running around with like a level 22 fireball, which is insane. Spellcasters really benefit off of the level of their uh, weapons. Sorry, off the level of their spells. So later that night, um, somebody in my guild who pretty much plays Path of Exile like all the time, like they roll like three or four characters a league. Every time I go on, I see them on. Uh, They put a Calum's Heart into into the Corruption Chamber. And Calum's Heart, is one of the most valuable items in the game. Essentially, it gives you 500 HP, like flat, which in Path of Exile terms is a lot. It's a ton of survivability. It's more survivability than you could get on any other item. And they destroyed it. Oh. They cor- corrupted it and it disappeared. And then they said, Who wants my items? I'm quitting this league. Huh. <laughs> uh, he handed his items out to the guild and then he logged out so that's the corruption chamber so in a way it kind of worked out for me because you know not only did i succeed at the corruption chamber but he failed and in his (laughs) failure i got an exalt and a hundred and a hundred chaos which he didn't need anymore
0: wow how much is the exalt worth right now
1: an Exalts is worth 100 Chaos.
0: Okay, so you got two Exalts. That's right. Or 200 Chaos. Are you playing anything else?
1: Uh, blaze Blue. Oh, yeah. Attack.
0: I'm glad you mentioned that.
1: Battle. So I've been playing that. I've mostly just been playing training mode. I haven't tried online, but the online that I did try. Uh, not a big fan of this lobby system.
0: Oh no, that's kind of why I, don't know I stopped why playing. Actually, was
1: trying to to go wacky with these, lobbies. Everyone, systems. everyone, or Arxis. or just this, right? Uh, but I don't know if anyone ever played a, a little game called uh, Soul Calibur Four. See, in Soul Calibur Four, and and you know this is a game that came out at the beginning of the 360 era. There was a button where you press like search match, and you did, and then you found a match, and then you played. And if you wanted, you could keep playing the person who you found. And if you didn't, you could leave and you go find another person. And I don't understand why anybody ever felt the need to go further than that system. I don't know if it's because they feel like they need to add some sort of social aspect to the game where you have these – miniature lobbies and you run around with the little character and, uh, emote at people. Cause that gives you another thing to sell people where you get to sell them the little chibis that walk around the lobby, but it's just not what I need. Just give me a menu. And then I pick the thing and that's it.
0: It's yeah. Not hard. My experience with that game was that I actually like some of the aspects of it. And I, I like the current roster and the overall feel of the game And what what the game probably will be capable of, but my the last time I played, which was like early last week, um, I was trying to find a game, and I went to a lobby, the most uh, populated lobby at the time for like casual play, and uh, there's these like the online like versus lobby is this big room that has basically. Uh, all these little kiosks uh, that have two slots for people to stand in, um, a red and a blue, like a first and a second player. And I was going around, and I couldn't really find anybody. A lot of the people were already in games. Uh, Some people that I could find didn't have good connections. I was looking for a while to find someone, but there isn't just, and this is insane. This is like a, a, a singular thing that can kill a game for me and that is that there's nothing that i can do to just search a match with someone who has a this good connection the game. Yeah. like like in, like so so in in Dragon Ball Fighters Dragon Ball Fighters does not even have a good online system. It's kind of busted and stupid in a lot of cases and it was infuriating when on like day 1 we're trying to play a match and we have to like communicate, "Well, you go to this lobby and I'll, yeah, I'll go to the lobby. Okay, so start a arena match but lock it to two players and have this password for it and then that's the way we're going to be able to play and all this shit. Like Blaze Blue cross tag takes it to a worse level where at the very least one thing you can do in Dragon Ball Fighters is you can search for a casual or ranked match and then you can go to training mode and just lab and then hit uh like like get pop-ups for you found a match while you're labbing which is like that alone should be one of the most core things to every fighting game every fighting game should allow you to play practice while you're searching for a game so that you can like yeah. hone and, and do stuff rather than just waiting around. And Blaze
1: Tekken has that.
0: Yeah. And and Tekken sucks ass half the time. Which they have it they have a shitty ass lobby too. They have a bunch of broken shit too. What well, you know uh, Okay, I'll I'll finish this before I go on to the next point. But um so so with Blaze Cross Tag, like, I was enjoying it. I was enjoying the great missions that they have, uh Arxis killing it with the missions, unlike what they did with the Dragon Ball is more on the uh, Guilty Gear side of things, where it's like this fantastic mission structure that teaches you a lot about the game. And I was enjoying all that and was trying to put together a team and uh, just this online turned me off of it so much because there's no way to just literally search for a good game. You have to physically find someone in a lobby that has a good connection with you and keep rematching them. And like, that is horrendous that is game killing right there and i, I with blaze blue cross tag i had this this feeling of like i love I, I had this thought that i love fighting games i have been playing at least one fighting game at a time For the last couple of years, there's always a fighting game that I'm playing. Right now, the fighting game is Dragon Ball. Before that, it was Tekken. Before that, it was Street Fighter. Um, Like, There's always a fighting game that I am playing nonstop alongside anything else that I'm doing. And fighting games, they suck. They're awful. You're not wrong. Why do they suck so much? And the crazy thing about fighting games sucking is that there, it's a lot of developer choices that make fighting games horrendous and shit
1: why is that a one thing? day one day riot games is going to come into the scene and totally revamp it it's it's and they're going to make an example of the fighting game of the fighting game developers and and there's going to be a new era of fighting games just I, you wait i
0: i don't get it because it's like maybe one of my favorite genres of all time i literally like, before this, I was playing Dragon Ball Fighters all day. I love fighting games. I love them so much. Dragon Ball Fighters is the current game that I just really, really love. And before that, you know, Tekken 7 and and Street Fighter, like sure. I said. But wh- why is it that every single game that I've played... Of those games that I just said that I would play, like... Even when Street Fighter was having huge problems with Street Fighter Five, like, there's always these intentional dev mistakes. And I don't understand it, like... Tekken has all this weird shit with trying to play with friends and they never update it and they never add anything and it takes them forever to add a new character and the balancing in some cases when they add the new characters are wonky and there's all these like weird things that they chose to do and then now there's Dragon Ball Fighters. and as far as I can tell, Arxis had this game where they're like this could be the biggest fighting game of the last decade and let's intentionally make some mistakes to make it not that. It just seems like they made choices to make it not what it could be. And Blaze Blue Crosstag feels like the same thing, where there are these like intentional choices. Like, why would anyone need to just go to a character or, you know, hit a lobby, a menu option to search for a good match and then go into training mode? Why would they want that? Why would anyone want that? Wouldn't people want to physically have to move around a lobby and find someone that is both open to fighting it's like at the time just
1: at the world tournament
0: why is my favorite genre being done so dirty james
1: you gotta wait for someone to come in and clean it up it I, I just i don't i don't get it because no developer right but like the
0: wild thing is like you look at it and the current landscape is that If you like this genre, and so many people do, and they like it so much, like myself, and you cannot find what is in these fighting games elsewhere, you have to look at these fighting games to get this, you realize that all of them at the same time are bad. That's insane. Like, even looking backwards, like, you have no perfect option you have no great option there's nothing that i feel like 100 percent comfortable about playing if you're looking at like any other genre in a lot of cases if you're looking at moba if you're looking at the battle royale like the massive battle royale genre there's all these awesome options for players in that in that world and in that genre to feel good about like do you want to feel good about playing fortnite this these devs that are like keep making these free updates and all this stuff and are doing a great job and people are liking it and the player base creeps growing? Or do you want to like, you know, Realm Royale, this new high res thing like that that does some different things? And well, I hope
1: you don't like it for too long because as soon as the next uh, craze comes out, high res will kill it. You think so? High res is in, uh, like, that's their thing at this point, right? Is that they jump into whatever the current craze is. When it was MOBAs, they made Smite, and when it was like hero shooters, the short-lived hero shooter genre, they made Paladins, and now they're making Realm Royale. These guys just like, they chase that, right?
0: They kind of support them, though. Like, Paladins is still getting updates, and it just recently came out on Switch. I, I assume that there's, you know, a lot yeah, of... Yeah, maybe
1: I'm better as a, as a Tribes player.
0: Yeah, probably. Oh, well. I I just I don't get it like I I don't understand it at all I feel like Dragon Ball Fighters I you and friend of the show Ryan Galloway should be playing it right now if it weren't so busted and it's so busted and like I I will I will always play a fighting game there will always be a fighting game that I have at the time but I just don't feel like 100% about any fighting game that I'm currently playing
1: like maybe maybe Smash Bros will be it for you right?
0: go to hell but yeah but uh i spent i've spent most of the free time i've had recently playing vegeto in uh dragon ball fighters that character is right. uh, is one of my favorite characters in a fighting game probably tied with q that's insane i want to
1: be playing my switch more
0: i've been playing I, hollow I knight
1: uh so I, I want to hear about that because i've been re- i've been trying to play bloodstained and i just I haven't found really the time or the correct like situation to play it. Well, and maybe that should be on the train, but it, it isn't because I've been just watching TV on the train. I feel like in the morning and when I'm leaving work, it's just like, I'm not in the right mindset. Like I need to be relaxed to play like a game. And I'm not usually relaxed on the subway.
0: How about I hit, with you, hit you with something completely different? How about drop that? Play some hollow Knight? because guess what? Hollow Knight. Uh, friend of the show and frequent co-caster of the show, Sean, loved Hollow Knight, and this game is phenomenal, and this Twitch, this, this Switch port is fantastic. It is, we, we've been talking, you know, about some of the games that didn't port over that well. Uh, Hollow Knight is gorgeous, runs perfectly fine, it is probably the best version of the game that you can get. Um, especially since it's on the go, uh, it, it's amazing. It has everything. Uh, if you're going to play hollow Knight, you'd play it on the switch.
1: What a ringing endorsement you've got.
0: Yeah, it's good. And, uh, you know, there's always going to be something that you currently want to play on switch anyway.
1: Any other games?
0: Other, uh, e-games? Is that what you're saying? Sure. No. Mostly just All Dragon Ball right. Fighters and Hollow Knight when I'm working.
1: And Path of Exile, maybe? Most definitely.
0: I kind of hit, like... Like, my experience with this League is that it's been phenomenal. Um, the incursion mechanic and that whole... Uh, like, not to, you know, return to this, but... That, that whole uh, temple building thing... Uh, it might be one of the smartest things I've ever seen in a video game. Like, it alone... Is almost a game seller to me. I the way that I originally thought that like it's interesting but a little too complicated. Like it 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 in itself is this whole thing that that like drives you to keep wanting to play in that league. Um, it, it's so intelligent. Uh, just to like talk about the way that I feel about that is like the when I'm developing that temple that i'm gonna go to uh and when you find the character out in the world and you get to go to a flashback like those moments are exciting and scary because you have so little time to do what you want to do and as you play more you understand kind of like in your head what you want to do before you even jump into the incursion and that in itself is this fun exciting thing but going to the temple eventually is exciting. And then weirdly enough, there's there's never a dull moment because you you build up to this big thing and it's getting more and more exciting as you're building up this big thing. And you'd think maybe after you finish the temple that you would be less excited to get to the next, like, start of the incursion, to, to start this whole 13 incursion thing over again. But it's still so exciting because it's another chance to, like, redo that and to do that better with the knowledge you have and what with what you want to do so a lot of stuff about that is really exciting i got the vol arc that's really cool they redid the vol stuff and we were talking about that before um but that's really it i don't want to keep talking about path because i don't feel like we have super new things to say but it's it's uh People phenomenal should just
1: try it they should just try it. if you
0: haven't then do it it's free what is wrong it's with so you free. stop it
1: it's the most Start free. It, actually it is the most free
0: Oh James, can I get you talking about some uh, some pee things? You want to Maybe
1: you could tell me about something that's not free.
0: You want to come into this back alley means. and start talking about some pee things. Got a lot Ew. of good pee things on sale for you, word stranger.
1: That maybe maybe
0: Hey. We don't sell I'm, like I'm a classic pee bottom and I don't know if you're a pee top but uh it's a pee world.
1: So, i've been i i didn't say this yet this podcast but i moved you did i i, I maybe i did this is to a, a more board game friendly podcast.
0: oh no i didn't say you moved but i'm saying this you is, did move
1: i moved so this is my first podcast recording in the new space uh which is far more friendly for board games and visitors and a lot less cramped and i don't have to push three tables together to play Gloomhaven.
0: I also don't hear a bunch of dishes going off in the background. That's exciting.
1: Yeah, you know, at the old apartment there was this weird thing where everybody was always hidden away until it was time to record and then everybody wants to get social.
0: Yeah, interesting.
1: Uh, But now I've moved to a place that is a little more my own. I've got a big table and I've got some big games, but I've, I've been sitting on Argent, the consortium. It is a worker placement game that happens in a magical academy, and I haven't been able to get it to the table yet. I think I'm going to be able to get it to the table tomorrow. With whom? Uh, with Paul. Is it a
0: two-player?
1: It's a two to five. Okay. And they have unique rules for the two-player setup, which, which I always kind of appreciate, because it's good to note that a game is not the same with 2 people as it is with 4 people. Uh but this week I had the chance to play more splendor cuz splendor fantastic game. fit it in all the time. Very easy. Uh, I played a round of clank and I played
0: Did you finally get the uh, whole mummy's curse uh integrated?
1: I didn't put it in because I'm I I played with Brian Ahrens and his girlfriend and Oh, beautiful. are not they're not board game people. So I wanted to start them off without the expansion because it's simple.
0: What was their uh, response to it?
1: So they played Clank, they played Splendor, and they played uh, Bargain Quest. And their favorite game was Splendor. And the thing that I like about Splendor is you start to understand the strategies of Splendor in your first game, within the first couple of turns. Yeah, you you start to understand. Whereas games like Clank, they're not f- they're not necessarily Fun the first time you play
0: them. I I, th- I would beg to differ because I had fun the first time, but I I think what you're saying is that like with Clank, it definitely felt like the first time I played it, like I finally was getting some of it by the end of it, and then you want to play again because it feels like you know the first time I didn't get a chance to do some of the things, and with Splendor, it does feel like you start to be able to put your head into the game in a couple turns.
1: The thing that I feel about Clank overall though is that the game always feels like it's on a timer and I feel like I never have enough time to get something going.
0: One of my biggest problems with Clank is that is that like so much of it and it's interesting it's a like not a, necessarily a bad mechanic but it does feel like people can ruin the game by just like nabbing the first thing and then like getting out and being like lucky with some things. Um, I
1: haven't seen that win yet.
0: hmm. It just, it just feels like there's like some weird things with like, I want the game, I want the board to be a little bigger, you know what I mean? Like have more spots, not just physically bigger.
1: Maybe that's something that uh, the expansion takes care of. Uh, I've yet to see that. Did
0: you play some board games this week? You know I did. How dare you? So I played um uh did everybody's you play Charterstone. I did not. I'm so frustrated. I'm so far behind on this Charterstone. Charterstone is like it it, it is a religious experience for me. That game is gorgeous and beautiful and i i I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast but when i when we were talking to uh new friend of the show paul uh the way that paul looked at me when he was like hey what other board games and i could tell you know
1: we had had this this chat really for true yes
0: okay well guess what i still love that game
1: but when you said that you liked charterstone the best he 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 gave a look that looked like a shrug
0: I mean, it I feel like, like it was show. more of like.
1: He shrugged with
0: his eyes. It was more. It was more this feeling of like, oh, you're wrong. Okay, he's new. He hasn't played that much, and I don't know. I just feel like I, I'm. I'm a huge sucker for Legacy, and uh Stone is one of the best Legacy. Speaking of Legacy, everyone's favorite Legacy game. Now, Legacies haven't been around long. The first one came out in 2011. Risk just got that, by the way. And they age like a fine wine. Uh, I started...
1: Is that how that works? Okay.
0: I started playing what is, in the board game community's eyes, one of the greatest games of all time, according to Quinn's on Shut Up and Sit Down, the best board game. And the number two board game on Board Game Geek, I started playing none other than Pandemic Legacy. And whoa, season one. And I gotta say, you know, that is something that has to be experienced by everyone. I have how many players? Uh, three currently, uh, four max. Four max. Um, I am very interested in that game and. The first time I played Pandemic, I had this feeling of, like, this is only good. And we talked about it, like, this is only good. But for whatever reason, Pandemic was, like, the first time I tried a pomegranate or something similar to a pomegranate, where I was dismissive of it the first time. And then I looked back a week later, like, I would... Play another game of pandemic. I would be interested in playing another game of pandemic. There's something about pandemic, and it is so brilliantly designed, uh and the the non-legacy game, basically, uh, that it actually is incredible to play a legacy version of it. Uh it's so smart and so interesting. And I don't want to talk about anything spoiler-wise with Pandemic. Okay. But Pandemic is this uh game and one of the core mechanics to it is you're you've got this big map uh you get these little cubes for these four different diseases and pandemic legacy what what is very interesting is that when you don't open up or do anything you can play the exact pandemic game uh, and it, the, the, the actual, the rulebook says, like, if you've never played Pandemic before, we, re- we recommend you play on the board a couple times without doing anything legacy style, because the, it, you con- you get all the components for a non-legacy game of Pandemic to keep going. It's very interesting. And uh, the second you kind of bust out that legacy aspect, then things start going haywire. Uh, one of the core things of Pandemic is that you've got these diseases, you've, you are all playing as different characters. And on your turns, you are trying to treat these diseases that are located in different areas, different capital cities around the world. Uh, but you're also, you know, as you're trying to help out, you're also drawing these cards that uh, infect cities and put another cube. And you don't want it to hit more than three cubes because as you hit more than three cubes, you start to outbreak and all this bad stuff starts happening. Um, probably what might, might be one of the most brilliant of all time uh, mechanics... And I think any board game is the way that the pandemic uh, infection deck works. So, at the game's start, you draw nine cards overall, and those cards, uh, every there is a card correlating to every spot on the world map in Pandemic, and that's you know what you're infecting. What's really interesting oh, is yeah. that those cards that you're drawing go into a disc discard deck, and as you're drawing the cards that are supposed to be positive for you there are at random integers infection cards that will speed up the infection rate and will basically, uh, you know, ha- make yeah. all hell break loose. What's crazy is what... what.
1: It's funny hearing about this as someone who's only played... Um, regular Pandemic? The, the Cthulhu version of Pandemic. And when you say that the those infection cards make all hell break loose, uh, that's literally... what What they did in the uh, Cthulhu version. But go on.
0: So, so like, if you've never played this, this is why this is so goddamn brilliant. You have this big deck and this whole board that has all these different capital cities, and you're drawing these things, and it starts out with you're drawing nine things and putting them into a discard deck. And every turn, at the end of the turn, you're drawing another city that will get another infection and then as you're drawing the player cards you have the chance to hit these big epidemic cards and they're terrible and the the thing that they do and probably the core mechanic that makes pandemic pandemic is that you draw the card on the bottom of the infection deck give it 3 disease markers which like i said if you get any more than 3 then it's a really really bad thing it starts to outbreak then you put that in the, the, the discard pile and then here is where the game just really just slaps you in the face, spits in your face with a diseased, disease-ridden spit. The you, They make you shuffle the discard deck and then place the shuffled deck on top, which would mean that every card you are going to draw from now on, basically, until you draw a lot of cards is a pre-infected city. And... Uh, with pandemic legacy and why I'm talking about this because it it like is it is basically this whole epidemic thing is this like fantastic phenomenal thing that like the first time you hit one it starts to give you that rush of like oh my god everything is breaking out we don't have enough turns to be able to handle this and even if we start handling it by the time that we do we're gonna hit another epidemic and yeah
1: so so let me ask you something in the in the vanilla pandemic their difficulty levels does legacy have difficulty levels
0: legacy starts with the hardest difficulty level
1: it It starts
0: starts with so so the vanilla pandemic has five epidemic cards and what you're doing is basically you're taking the positive cards and you're splitting them into uh different uh uh Equ- equivalent decks, randomized, and then you're putting a Epidemic card into it, depending on how many you want. Uh, very easy is, like, three, medium is four, and extremely hard is five. And um, with the Pandemic Legacy, it just says do five. So you're starting off with, like, a shit show. Uh, we had an absolute disaster in our first game. Um, no matter how hard we could try, like, we hit the epidemic pretty early and the epidemic had a double outbreak and then we hit the epidemic after that and it shuffled and it double outbroke again so like nothing we were doing was working and it was terrible and it really screwed up the board from uh, that point forward and we were finally able to the the thing with Pandemic Legacy is if you fail a month you are able to redo the month one time and if you fail then you just fail for good but one of the really interesting things about it is just like But I will say, from playing other legacy games, uh, playing Pandemic Legacy, by the time that you get to the second month, your board is in a state that is unlike anyone who has ever played the game, and is creating a random situation from that point forward that is unique to your game that will create unique puzzles. Does that, if like without trying to spoil it, it's like every time you're having these outbreaks you are moving the panic of that city upwards and as far as i know there's absolutely no way to lower the panic level and as you raise that panic level up on cities it becomes harder and harder to treat things going on and also if your characters are in that city as it has an outbreak you get a scar which is a negative modifier for your character that will last the rest of the game, and there's no way to get rid of it. Um, just
1: Ryan, this is what I want to know. Does the game talk about anti-vaxxers?
0: It does not.
1: I bet it does. You just haven't gotten there yet.
0: Maybe I haven't gotten there yet. But my point is just to say that, like, it's it's there's a reason why Pandemic Legacy is held up as this, like, pinnacle of the Legacy genre, and that is because you buy the second game you get such an interesting unique board that further branches off into like insane things and it creates the that board's own issues um it it's unbelievable it is impossible to talk about uh but but I I got a chance to play three times in a row and by the time that we were on our third game we were having a situation that was only because of things that happened earlier and the game's problems and what we had to overcome as a team and how we had to, you know, talk about what was going on or or try and do something was only the the, the challenges are 100% based on the failures of the past. And it's so unbelievable to see it because I think that Pandemic Legacy Season 1 is the example of what a legacy game could be because I... With Charterstone, I could understand how you'd say you wouldn't want to play it again. With Pandemic Legacy, it would never be the same game. Like, you could understandably play it again and say, I know every spoiler and I know the way the game is going to go. But even if you knew the future of, like, the unlocks and stuff, it doesn't make it, it doesn't ruin the game. Because what really is the game is that the, your, every game while playing it, it, it fucks up the board for yeah. ever. And it will ruin things about the future games that create, like, these crazy scenarios in itself. So, like, you can never play the same game of Pandemic Legacy Season 1 twice, and I think that, that is, like, almost fascinating. So, like,
1: the, the thing that I want to know, though, is how do you play multiple Legacy games at once? Because it seems like you have a Charterstone game going, a Pandemic Legacy game going, a Gloomhaven game going, and soon to be Risk Legacy.
0: Not soon to be.
1: You already started.
0: Not soon to be. I mean, like not happening anytime soon.
1: All right. It was just on so, sale. It
0: wasn't. It wasn't expensive at all. I found it like lower than uh, regular markup price.
1: Sure. So, how do you play them all? Have you been playing Gloomhaven?
0: I haven't gotten a chance to play Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven is something that I do with my LC- That's LTCP alone. Um, uh, and, uh, behind
1: closed doors, behind
0: closed doors, we don't talk about the kind of stuff that happens in our Gloonhaven games. Um, but anyway, uh, the Charterstone is my sister, my mom, and my LTCP, and then Pandemic Legacy is my mom and my LTCP. So Pandemic Legacy is one of the easier ones that we currently have to get together to do something, uh probably one of the biggest problems is like there's a lot of quarterbacking going on in pandemic legacy
1: oh no Uh, yeah you don't want that
0: yeah it it happens but um uh so that's how I I mean I just feel like legacy games are like they're they're so exciting to me I, I love the way that they feel like this evolving narrative and uh like how much interesting stuff happens I just feel like they are so phenomenal to come back it's easy for me to like really want to come back time and time again to them uh, they had that hook. I think it's interesting because like, people uh, like watching reviews of Risk Legacy, uh, that was the first Legacy game, and people were shocked at this concept of, like, you have to write on the board, you have to rip up cards, and it was kind of unheard of, and it was kind of disgusting. It was like, wh- who would want to rip up cards? Why would you ever want to do that? And it was weird reading these reviews. Like, I'm already there because I was playing Gloomhaven, and I came to the, despite all the money I spent for it, I came to the the conclusion early on that I was comfortable destroying parts of Gloomhaven because I don't want to play it again. Why would I want to... Why would I ever get a chance to play that game again? If I if I finish Gloomhaven and, like, put in, like, hundreds and hundreds of hours, then I got like quadruple my amount of money worth anyway. So like, I can't complain. And I think the interesting thing about gloom, about legacy games overall, is that like, I do have a lot of games and some of them I played once or twice and haven't gone back to like blood rage. And I think it, it's a great game and I want to play it again, but with the legacy games, it kind of forces you to go back and it makes Every you excited. Every time someone excited. sees
1: me rip up a card for the first time, they say, what if you want to play it again? And I, I say straight up, I don't. I don't I don't want to play it again. That's the point, you idiot. I still want I still want to play it. I want to play Gloomhaven. But I'm I'm what, 10% of the way through Gloomhaven. I'm not worried about how I'm going to feel next year. Yeah, I got Gloomhaven in February
0: and I've put hundreds of hours. I've put like hundreds of hours into Gloomhaven and setting up Gloomhaven and building, you know, the organizer and all this other stuff to having to do with Gloomhaven. Like I'm already good on that. I would never want to play that game from start again. Are you kidding me? And then there's expansions coming out. Like we're going to be so far behind even where the expansions are at. Like I can't possibly imagine wanting to like break out a, uh, a sealed envelope. I had building up of all the cards that I was supposed to have destroyed and then say, let's put them all together again and restart and like, you know wipe off the board and everything like are you kidding me
1: you know i haven't like i said i haven't played argent yet but i i am thinking about getting an insert for it already is that weird no just knowing that the insert is out there and knowing that i and 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 reading reviews and knowing that it like improves the set of time and also it's kind of like nice to just like spend like you know a morning with a cup of coffee and some wood glue Oh
0: no, uh, just not wood glue. Wood glue on everything. No, not wood glue.
1: Uh, getting wood glue on on your dog and on your coffee table and in your
0: coffee not knowing and you're drinking the wood glue.
1: How to get glue. the how to get the wood glue out and then you eat the wood glue and you get food poisoning and and just sitting there and putting together the organizer. Truly hating it's wood glue. Kind of kind of comforting, right? It's kind of comforting.
0: Hating wood glue forever. But then you finish and you're like That's rewarding. I hated every single second I spent with the wood glue, but maybe I would do it again.
1: You know what I've been thinking about is that there's a Millennium Blades expansion on the horizon. And when that expansion comes out, I'm not going to be able to fit the new Millennium Blades expansion into the box. That would kill me.
0: That would break my heart.
1: it's going to be tragic. And I'm going to have to figure out how I will deal with that it is a sisyphean
0: effort to try and keep some of these board games inside of their box because no matter how many times you roll that wood glue ball up that hill it's gonna roll back down again
1: i'm going to assume that you would not back a millennium blades kickstarter i probably would There, there just wouldn't be much of a point though right
0: i don't yeah yeah there wouldn't be much of a point But I did back Imperial, which is a whole thing that, like, it didn't make that much sense for me to back it.
1: Um, I I will tell you, though, the expansion, I have the expansion for Millennium Blades, and there is single-player content. (sighs) I have single-player Millennium Blades. I've whipped it out. How is that? It's pretty fun. Uh, You fight a boss, and you draw uh, cards to determine what the boss is going to do. And you get the whole thing of, like, a buying phase, and then you fight the boss, and there are different bosses, so you could play through it different ways. It's cool. It definitely feels like um, Millennium Blades. And it's also available as a co-op game as well. Is that the deal with games? I think that might be. Hey, uh, glad that we could make the time this week. It's been a little bit inconsistent over the last few weeks. But I'd, I'd like to believe that things are settling down, that we're going to get more into our uh, regularly inconsistent routine. Unlike our irregularly very inconsistent routine.
0: Yeah, um, there has been a lot of weird things going on. I had like a whole weird schedule last week and then you moved. So we've been almost biweekly recently, but I'm happy that we got some. Not to
1: mention your vacation and my vacation.
0: Yeah, a lot of stuff has been going on.
1: Uh, so this is WTDG podcast. You can find us online at WTDGpodcast.com, on Twitter at WTDG podcast and on iTunes at what's the deal with games question mark where you can rate comment and subscribe to the show.
0: Thank you, Ryan Galloway and crying for the use of their music. We use the intro and outro revive off the new album beyond the Philly and Gales. You can find them at the run for cover band camp.
1: Where's the new album? I, I, you know, we we think of th- this album as the new album, but I'm just gonna put it out into the into the world. Uh, I'm gonna say it for the first time because no one has said it before. It's not a new album.
0: I beg to differ. And uh, I think, uh, you know, live and let live, right? Or um...
1: live and let die. Because shadows die twice.
0: And because we just don't have it yet, is any of this an out an outro a- acceptable?
1: Maybe we should just keep saying shadows die twice. Shadows die twice.
0: Shadows die twice. Do you
1: think they'll do you think they'll have shadows the hedgehog in in smash?
0: Shadow dies twice.
1: Maybe every episode we should just request a new smash character. Um, we fit board. <laughs> I could go for we fit board.
0: Is that good enough? Wii-
1: Wii, wii plus controller oh god all right thanks ryan
0: no no oh my god the 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 wii yeah the wii plus nunchuck that like or was it the controller that kept breaking all the tvs that would be a good fighting game utensil
1: wasn't it character. just the first wii controller the yeah. first wii mode it would that fly
0: off and then hit the tv
1: you know the original wii sold with like it came out with the wrist straps like
0: yeah but it didn't come out with the condom yet
1: man that was weird that's a weird part of history that I don't think the textbooks are gonna preserve the the weak Wii, the weemote condom.
0: You always history gotta desert. practice safe bowling.